Uh, it's easy uh, to imagine possibilities for something that could change the world in a profoundly beneficial way. Maybe a cure for all types of cancer, maybe a clean and free form of energy that no one's figured out yet, uh, maybe even a solution to the global food shortage. Well, what if you were entrusted with the details for a world-changing solution like this? What would you do with it? How would you handle that information? Because this is exactly what we realise in this passage today. In verses 10 and 11 of Matthew 13 that we just heard, the disciples asked Jesus, why do you talk to people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. My computer's just glitched. <laughs> Come on. Hmm. Can you just bear with me a moment? <laughs> okay, there we go. That hasn't happened before. <laughs> um, as we come to these familiar parables, um, like these, like the parable of the sower, it's easy to just take them as something that we already know, to think, yeah, we've heard this before, we know what this means, yep, I've got this. And to forget the wonder and the power of what God is showing us and why. So I just want to stop before we keep going, and I just want us to, to realise the wonder of these kingdom mysteries that Jesus has given to us. This kingdom that restores all of the world under the righteous reign of Jesus, that sees heaven manifested on earth, as Andrew described last week, and all of life creation, societies, cultures, families, everything and everyone healed and restored and made new. This kingdom that sees sinners like you and me invited into the loving presence of God and entrusted to be a part of the way that God is changing the world. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Do you wake up day to day with that reality? Do you wake up knowing that there's something incredibly special that God has revealed to you? And if he's revealed something so special like the secrets of his kingdom, then do you realize the reason for that? That he's entrusted you with something so, so special for a reason. Think about it this way. Imagine um, you're a head of a massive international not-for-profit organisation, a really important organisation, and you're leaving that role for whatever reason. You want to make sure before you go that you can hand over the key essentials of your role and your leadership to the person who will be stepping into that role. Ideally, you want to know that they're going to be someone you can entrust your work to, and even the secrets of how you do your job. You want to know that they're going to be able to carry on your work in a responsible and meaningful way. You don't want to hand over to some random stranger 
or to someone who doesn't really care or is really flippant and blasé about the role. No, you want to pass it on to someone you can trust, to someone who cares about the role and the people and the work as much as you do. Well, I think this is what Jesus is trying to say here. He knows that his time on earth is short and he's got a lot of teaching to pass on. He's got to share the details of his work, the secrets of his kingdom and his mission and his ministry to others so that his work can continue once he's gone. But he doesn't want to pass it on to just anyone, to people who won't take it seriously or people who will misuse it. He needs to pass it on to people he can trust, to people who he knows will be able to worthily carry on his work once he's gone. Friends, Jesus wants to let us in on the secrets of his kingdom. This is exciting. But are you ready to take this seriously? Are you someone he can trust with it? Because not everyone is. There's a reality that some won't get it. Some just won't understand. Jesus explains in verse um, 13. Oh, sorry, next one. He says, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And as he expresses the words of the prophet in Isaiah, in verse 15, the ultimate reason for this is that their hearts have become calloused. Our hearts, spiritually speaking, are made to be soft enough for love to flow in and out. Kind of like blood being able to pump in and out of our hearts to our bodies. But when our spiritual hearts become calloused or hardened, it's like they've become incapable of responding to love and truth. Jesus is explaining that even when truth is proclaimed to them, even the secrets of life's greatest mysteries, they are incapable of understanding and responding. And I think this is the sad state of our culture today. Most people don't even care or want to think about deeper things like the meaning of life or the possibility that we are spiritual creatures and what that means. Our culture has created a disinterested generation. And maybe their hearts aren't calloused, but numb. Numb to anything that involves thinking a little bit deeper or working a bit harder to figure out meaning and truth. But we too in the church, especially those of us who have been Christians for a long time, we too can become slow or incapable of responding to God's word. Like it's become dull to us or all too familiar. Where we don't realise the seeds of the secrets of Jesus' kingdom are right there before us to notice hitting us in the face with opportunity. This is a real danger that Jesus is warning against. So if there's anything that God's saying to us today, I want us to hear this. Keep your hearts open to God's word, to his gospel and to the mysteries of his kingdom. Keep your hearts in a state of wonder and longing and openness. 
Because if his words and revelations are not penetrating our hearts anymore, we're missing out. We're missing out on a life full of divine purpose and destiny and fruitfulness. So let's think more deeply about this parable and what it means for us. And we notice, just as Andrew um, explained in his demonstration, um, that the sower just sows his seeds abundantly and just wherever. In the same way, God's word and the seeds of his kingdom are always going forth. His seeds of truth and hope and life, the seeds of his gospel, are being sown around us all the time. And the sower doesn't discriminate and say, I'm going to sow my, my seed on this soil but not on that soil, to this person but not to that person. We get a sense, no, that God's word goes forth to anyone and that it's there for anyone to respond to. And as Jesus describes what happens to those seeds and the different types of soil that it falls on, it leads us to ask ourselves the question, how is my heart receiving God's word? What's the state of the soil of my heart? So ask yourself, have I noticed his word in my life lately? Am I noticing the work of God in my life each day? And if so, how am I responding to it? One of the spiritual practices that we like to encourage at St. Mark's is what's called the examine. And this is the, uh, essentially the practice of prayerfully asking ourselves these sorts of questions every day. It's a practice that helps us find the movement of God in all the people and the events of our day. Um, so you might have got this card or something that looks like this, and that's got those questions on it. Um, if you need one, you can grab one later in the foyer. So these questions that we can reflect on every day. Where have I felt true joy today? What has troubled me today? What has challenged me today? When did I pause today? And when did I experience God today? How have I noticed God's presence and his word to me today. As we reflect, God's invitation for us to respond is right before us in those moments. This is a really powerful practice to get into the habit of, to help us to be people who are noticing and receiving the seeds of the kingdom and responding to them. So I encourage you to have a go at that this week and practicing that and trying to get into a habit of it. Maybe you do it once a week. Maybe you want to do it every day. But just see what works for you, but use it. Oh, sorry, that was that. (laughs) Um, Secondly, the parable talks about a whole variety of things that oppose and hinder the growth of the sower's seed. Things that snatch the seed away, things that choke the seed, things that hinder the seed growing. Why is this important for us to understand? Because there's a spiritual reality that opposes God's word, that opposes his gospel and his work in the world. Well, why is that? Because as we've heard, these seeds are the secrets of God's kingdom. 
the secrets of Jesus' ministry and mission. In them is the way to full and eternal life, to complete wholeness, to oneness with God. In them is the way to the world's salvation and healing and restoration under Christ. And the evil one doesn't want this. He wants his kingdom. He wants to keep everyone enslaved to spiritual death, to keep everyone hard-hearted and spiritually numb. I came across a poem with this line, God, devil, and the world all wish to enter me of what great lineage my noble heart must be. It's the idea that there's something particular about us as human beings that seeks our allegiance and our worship. You might not have realised it yet, but if not God, then the world and the devil are seeking to own your heart. In Jesus' explanation here in Matthew 13, in verses 18 to 23, Jesus describes a number of ways that this can happen. So in verse 19, he says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So we need to guard against a lack of understanding. How do we do that? It begins by having a teachable attitude and a desire to be ever learning, to seek understanding. That's what doing theology is, faith, seeking understanding. So we read, we talk to others, we research, we ask our leaders questions. So if you don't understand something about what you've read or heard in the Bible or from what's happening in your life and where God is working in that, don't let the enemy snatch those seeds of truth away from you. Seek understanding. Then we read of another form of opposition which we need to guard against. From verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. It's right and wonderful to joyfully respond to God's word. But our faith also needs depth. Shallow roots are due to shallow faith. Faith that can't hold tight through trouble and difficulty and can't stand up when others criticise us for what we believe. Everyone experiences times in their life where they need an anchor, a hope or a truth to hold on to to keep them from being completely swept away in the stress or grief or despair that comes through the difficulties of life. And people turn to all different things to cope, sometimes to things that make things much worse and may not be quite healthy for us. And of course, there are also good and healthy things that we can do to help us cope. But there's one thing that provides the best anchor of all, God the rock and refuge of God's word and his presence. When we have the kind of faith that holds on to him, and more importantly, that knows he's holding on to us, despite the turbulent circumstances that we face and the painful emotions that we feel, that's deepening our roots of faith. And that's the kind of faith that Jesus can trust. So how do we grow that kind of faith? 
I think one of the most underrated tools for getting the word deep into our hearts is memorising scripture. And I know I've shared this before. The Psalms are a great place to start. As you're reading and something stands out to you, just stop there and take it. Hold it. That's a seed of hope, of strength, right there. So let it sink in deep. Repeat it over and over in your mind and out loud. Write it down, stick it to your mirror, put it in your phone. Turn it into a prayer that you can repeat to yourself throughout your day. And keep it before you and in your mind for days or weeks if needed. And it might not feel like it's changing anything straight away, but that's okay. It might not change your circumstances, but it's increasing your faith. It's deepening your soil. It's increasing your faith in God. It's allowing the roots of God's word to grow deeper into your heart. So guard the seeds with faith. The next form of opposition that Jesus talks about is the worries of life and the deceit of worldly delights like wealth. Jesus says in verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. So ask yourself, what's choking my spirituality at the moment? What's squeezing the life out of my spiritual energy? There could be a whole range of things, and this will be personal to each of you, but it's an important question to ask. Is it the demands of your job that suck out your time and energy for stillness with God? Are you worried about your life or the people in it? in a way that makes it hard to see and trust God's faithfulness? Or is it the lures of the world of wealth, of popularity or achievement that surpasses your desire for the things of God? Or maybe it's the distractions that numb our spiritual desires. There's plenty of those around. Screens, hobbies that we engross ourselves in too much. Or, for whatever reason, are we just bored with God? Have we lost our passion for the gospel? Dane Ortland says that discipleship is essentially this, that our first discovery of the gospel is the inauguration of an entire life of increasingly sensitized wonder at this grace. Increasingly sensitized wonder at this grace. In the movie Rise of the Guardians, it's a kids sort of family movie that you may have seen if you're probably my generation or lower and you've got kids, you've probably seen it. Um, There's a scene where North, aka Santa Claus, is talking to Jack Frost and trying to help him understand who he is and why he was chosen to be a guardian. And North says, what's your centre? If man and moon chose you, you must have something very special inside. North um, then hands Jack Frost a babushka doll of himself, of, of North. And each doll, as it goes in, reveals something about North's identity. Jack arrives at the smallest doll, which is a baby North with big, big blue eyes. And North explains, big eyes because they are full of wonder. That is my centre. It's what I was born with. Eyes that see the wonder in everything. This wonder is what I put into the world and what I protect. It's my centre. 
So let me ask you, is wonder still your centre? Albert Einstein said, he who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. If your wonder at the grace of Jesus Christ, which is being sown around you all the time like these seeds, if your wonder isn't increasing, then it's being choked. Friends, we've got to guard against all these things that desensitize us to the gospel of grace and the work of God in our lives. Realities in our world and our lives will constantly try to choke our relationship with God. The world and the enemy wants us dead, spiritually dead. But God doesn't. He wants us to be spiritually alive and awakening the world around us. So guard your heart and the seeds that God has sown in your life. And this is a charge we hear repeatedly in the Bible. I've put a few on the screen, but I like how Paul puts it to Timothy. He says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So ask him to help you and realise that you're not alone. Ask others to help you. Share the real struggles that you have. Tell people who you trust the things that you feel are choking your relationship with God. And ask them to pray for you as well. If you're meeting up in a small group this week, ask this question. You will absolutely find that you are not alone in these struggles. And you might even find that with others, you can come up with helpful and practical ways to guard your heart. Maybe even things that others can be doing with you. Like screen fasts at a particular time during the week, or accountability about certain things you're struggling with, or doing things that help renew your wonder. But find ways to intentionally guard your heart. And finally, verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. What does that mean? It means that God's seeds create changed hearts and lives and lead to change and life in others. It means we now carry on the work of Jesus and he keeps touching lives through us. The gospel, these seeds are fruitful. That's its nature. And it's our choice to want to understand them, to believe them, even when it's tough and to guard them. But when we do, when we show that we're serious about this and that we are people who can be entrusted with them, they grow and produce fruit. Fruit in multiples, 30, 60, 100 times. So ask yourself, how can I now step forward in my life for Jesus so that he can touch others? A good way to consider that is to think about how God has touched your life 
and how he might now be using that, entrusting you with that experience for reasons beyond yourself. I want to share part of Heather's story. Many of you know Heather. Heather's been a part of our community here at St Mark's for a long time. When Heather was 55, her husband Ron, um, as most of you would know, died unexpectedly and suddenly. And she was thrown into a very confronting grief. In the thick of that, in the days after her husband died, Heather remembers asking, why me, why me, why has this happened to me? And she, as she asked that question, she heard a voice that responded, why not you? Why should you be spared life's tribulations? As she heard that voice, she knew that it was God speaking to her and that God was with her in her grief. In that moment, she was touched by a perspective that was able to carry her through her grief. She was comforted by the presence and the word of God in a way that changed everything. Because of that experience and the care of this church for her during that time, since then, Heather has been involved in supporting others who have experienced bereavement. She's been involved here at St Mark's in our grief support ministries and in local schools, um, working with chaplains to help kids work through their grief. Now, Heather would, would say that she's far from being an expert in this space, but she's present. She's there. And her story, her experience is bearing fruit. She's able to come alongside others with shared understanding and walk alongside them with genuine empathy and reassurance. She's able to express hope in our God who won't abandon us in our suffering because she's experienced that herself. And lives have been touched because of this. Fruit has come. So how has God changed your life? And how might he want to use that to touch others? Friends, we've been entrusted with the gospel, with the secrets of the kingdom for a reason, a reason far, far bigger than ourselves. As we respond to the seeds that God's sowing in our lives with open, wondering, seeking, guarded hearts, there will be gospel fruit we will see the kingdom growing around us. So let's take these seeds seriously and live out the wonder of what Jesus has entrusted to us.